If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adelie Jr. Joining me is Gameonesis, a.k.a. Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? I'm a Janet. How's it going? It's going. We're both wearing white t-shirts. I mean, I have like we a, are. I have an Animal Crossing thing on mine, but you can't really see it because of how low it starts. The design starts like six inches down from the shirt, so no one will ever see it. But I, I did. I, I can see it on the Discord window, and I did compliment you on the shirt earlier, but I'll compliment you again. Really good shirt. Thanks. Really it was my um my gift for being best man at my brother's wedding. And then I also got... Where is that? I, I got my first physical PS5 game. Whoa. I got Road 96. I did, have to return, I did have to return um, GTA 5 to GameStop because my brother got me GTA 5. And he's like, I don't know if you have it already. I, you have every game. So I don't didn't. Is this one you don't have? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, I feel have like this. GTA 5 is the like, game yeah. that every single person has. But I didn't have it for a really long time. And especially the PS5 like version. But I got it because of our job. Like, I'm pretty sure I got a, like a code or they gave it away at some point or something. But um, yeah. but yeah, Road 96. First physical PS5 game. Hell yeah. What made you choose Road 96? Um, Because I already know I like the game. Like, I started it on PC. Um, But I was playing with my brother. So I, like, the act of both of us casually playing at the PC together is pretty uncomfortable. Because it's not... I don't really have the space to comfortably seat two people at once. Like, I do it sometimes for stream. But it's not very spacious. Um, So I'm like, okay, I think if we get on console, we'll finish it. But we have a bunch of stuff to do. And I would be playing a bunch of games with my brother. But I'm working on a bunch of projects right now oh. but he's available right now so i'm like i really want to i gotta make some time to like knock out we got like eight games on the docket as you know that we are these get backlog through, so. games or are these like current games is this you still trying to knock out uncharted yeah yeah except uncharted because there's so much left it's like it it'll probably get knocked out a little bit later but the ones we have that are like on the ropes are um what house of ashes and uh road 96 to a degree but now we gotta restart it so it's kind of like eh. and he really wants to do tmnt together and that game is really short so i figured we could probably just knock that those two out as like the next pieces but now right before we started the show you told me that you downloaded tales of arise yes where's that fitting into the equation i have no it's it's honestly just a, i just downloaded tales of arise to like flex on hose you know i was just like <laughs> look i got this two terabyte storage I downloaded Tales of Arise. I downloaded yes, Persona 5, Royale. I downloaded GTA you just 5. Download, you found, like, all the biggest files you could on your mm-hmm. PlayStation. Yeah, I was like, well, basically, I wanted to download. Like, I went in my collection, and I'm like, what is something that I might want to play, that I might be in the mood for? Uh, I downloaded Death Stranding Director's Cut again after, like, my first four hours with it. Like, I, I also did, like, small games like Bug Snacks and stuff, because I'm like, oh, I never got the Platinum. Maybe I'll do that. But, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to live a life the life of my dreams, which is a life in which I turn on my PS5 and, and anything I want is re- readily available to yeah. me. Bring it back you know, to the, not, the N64 days, right? Just plug I'm in the taking, cartridge. You don't have to worry about an update or anything. I'm taking 15 minute captures and I'm not even thinking about it. Like I'm not even deleting oh. these. I'm just kind of, I'm just, just leaving them on there just for like, just yeah. for reminiscing in case you ever feel like watching a movie on your PlayStation yeah. 5. You're lucky they have, um, 
you know, a limit to how long the videos you can send to people. Because I definitely would have just sent you like several like half hour just cuts. Would have fucked up all the me memory in my Fortnite. own PS5. Yeah. That's um, like that would be like a cruel way to go about it. Be like, you know what, man? Fuck this other person's story. Let me just send them send them the sixty hour or the sixty minute clips that I'm taking of Dying yeah. Light Two or whatever the fuck they don't care about. But you're on um, yo, those Dying Light Two clips. There was I some did, like wild. I sent you some Dying Light Two clips where I was like. I enjoyed that game way more than I should. I don't even say way more. I really enjoyed that game. It was a lot, so fun. It moments. was like it was so fun till it wasn't. But like before it, it wasn't, it was just awesome. It was a blast. And it's, the clip we're talking about where it's like there's a that turn, there's like a little twist in the story, and you had your like PlayStation mic, like the controller mic audio on, picking up your like commentary. One, it was hilarious, and two, when Isaiah ran through that himself, when like he went through that moment, I was like, okay. Now I can show you the clip Blessing sent me and we like watched you. Did he have a similar reaction that I did? Because yes. I probably had the most over the top reaction, I feel like. He had a, it wasn't as elaborate as yours, but it was over the top. I feel like I maybe recorded him, but I don't remember. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't know if he wants me to like send this to people, but I get a kick out of it. So I'm like, yeah, like he had a very similar. Everyone had that reaction. It was such a cool moment. But yeah, play yeah, Dying Light 2 if you haven't. It's except for that. Maybe don't finish it. Once you do the tower, <laughs> get get to like the, tower, the second to last mission and put it down. Yeah. Once you go up to the tower and you're like, wow, this is this one of the best games of the year? Then just, and then just put the game stop. down. Yeah, yeah just, just put the game right down. There. Maybe do open world stuff. Just don't finish mm-hmm. the main yep, story. Don't, don't finish it. Just don't hang out in the it. world. Uh, so speaking of Tales of Arise, I got it right here on my young Steam Deck, this big, black, beautiful device right here, the Steam Deck. I just started playing Tales of Arise uh, last night. And... Man, I'm looking. I'm scared that I'm gonna drop off of it. I'm like really digging it so far. I think the presentation is gorgeous. The story so far is engaging me. But the thing that is worrying me is that looking at the calendar, and we'll talk about it a little bit during this episode of KFGD. Uh, there's a there's quite a few JRPGs coming through, mm-hmm. right? Like we're gonna talk about Final Fantasy 16. Thankfully, that is like a year out. But we also got like Xenoblade Chronicles three. There's also Soul Hackers two. And I've like I've returned to where I was in the middle of 2020, where I played Final Fantasy VII Remake, finished that, and was like, oh, I got JRPG fever. Like, I want to play Final Fantasy VII. I want to play uh, Trails of Cold Steel. And I also want to play Persona 5 Royal. And so I tried playing th- those three games at the same time. And I played about 15 hours of Final Fantasy VII. I played about two hours of Trails of Cold Steel. And then I played the full 120 hours of Persona 5 Royal. That's the one that, that beat out the other JRPGs. I am now at a similar crossroads where I, I've just started Tales of Arise. Right. And I know this game is probably going to be what, like 50 hours long. Uh, I know that one day we're going to get the, the code for Soul Hackers 2. And that's another one that like if you're if you're a Persona fan or a Shin Megami Tensei fan, that's going to speak to you because that's kind of like an in-between of, the, of, of those games. And I previewed it at Summer Game Fest and I'm like, fuck, man, I might want to play Soul Hackers 2 when that comes out. Like this game is really speaking to me. Like the UI looks good, looks good. The presentation looks good. The music looks good. The voice acting is there. Like as all the stuff that I want from that kind of game. So now that is heavily on my radar, but I also watched the Nintendo Direct uh, for today for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and that game also looks really good. Like, I can't, I'm like split these these three ways, and like right now my hope is that I get through Tales of Arise quickly enough to where I can beat it before Soul Hackers 2 and Xenoblade, but I also know that's not going to happen. It's 50 hours long. Like, I'm also playing other things. I don't have the time. You went through um that one game pretty quickly, I feel like. What was it? No, the other one. That one too. But the other one, the yeah, one I where the um, like they're naked weeks. to operate the mechs oh, for some reason. 13 Sentinels. <laughs> yeah. 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I got through that in a few weeks. I was yeah. So on. I feel like you could do it, but I don't know if you will, but you could. It depends on you we'll how much you like it, I think. We'll see. 
for now, Janet, let's talk a lot more about some JRPGs because today's stories include a whole bunch of Final Fantasy 16 news, is Mortal Kombat 12 sooner than we think, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new games cast is up right now and it's our neon white and tmnt shredders revenge reviews you can catch that on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe thank you to our patreon producers gordon mcguire and fargo brady today we're brought to you by uplift but we'll tell you about that later for now let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Oh, Baker's Dozen. And of course, that is the one and only Roger Bacorny on the ones and twos, running his first ever Kind of Funny Games Daily. Hey. So a round of applause for Roger Bacorny. Hey, thank you. Hey. Thank you. How are you doing this morning? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Exciting. I had some had some nightmares about this. <laughs> I was ready. No, I thought you were really, really nervous. I'm, I'm so nervous. Morning. I like didn't realize this was your first time doing this show specifically because you do so much stuff. So now I'm like, I was just casually walking in here with like my wet hair and I'm just like, oh yeah, like, that's, I don't know, it's not working. That's the best It'll energy be okay. though. I love it though. You know what I mean? I yeah. love that energy. It was great. No, I feel, I feel a lot better now. Yeah. After a while, it took me probably about two years to get there. Now I just phoned it in. You know, I realized that, <laughs> <laughs> I realized that, you know, KMGD is like, whose line is it anyway? None of us matters. Sure. Right? None sure. of us matters. dissociate a little bit, you know, you're like, I don't know. We're going to get, 11's going to hit. And then I can go home. And then you go okay. and you, you just roll into bed and take a nap. Yeah, We're just, just gonna kick away. in and talk about That's news fine. for a second. Roger, I hope you have a lot to say about Final Fantasy 16. Oh, Jesus. Is a true test. All right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you're you're running KFGD, you participate in the opinions, all right? Oh, okay. Final Fantasy 16, we have a lot to talk about because uh, we have an interview roundup. Usually we do review roundups, we do preview roundups. I'm I'm adding in a new one, all right. We're doing an interview roundup. Uh, a lot of outlets got to talk to uh, Naoki Yoshida, the game's producer, all about Final Fantasy 16. I want to start off with Tamor Hussein from the number one video game website in the universe, GameSpot, who wrote a bit about the lore and mature content of Final Fantasy 16. I'm jumping into the middle of his write-up. I recommend people go go over there, give Tam the click. One, because, you know, shout out to GameSpot, the number one games website, but then also because Tamor Hossein is the homie. So go give him the click. But jumping into the middle of the article, he says, Much of the attention, however, has been focused on Final Fantasy 16's producer, Naoki Yoshida, who is credited for the successful salvaging of Final Fantasy 16. The positive response to his involvement is unsurprising, considering there is resounding agreement that Final Fantasy XVI's narrative and characterization are incredible. Naturally, expectations are high for what this creative team can do for Final Fantasy XVI, and uh, following the debut of the game's latest trailer, we talked to Yoshida-san about what players can expect in terms of gameplay, narrative themes, and more. Tam asks, are there plans to support the world with tertiary lore material, or is it more self-contained? Yoshida-san replies, currently there are no plans to create anything, for example, like a lore book like we had in Final Fantasy XIV. So the development team is currently working really hard to make the final release of the game a complete experience so that no other tertiary content will be required to enjoy or understand it. And so how the story and narrative progresses is that we follow the life of Clive Rossville through three different stages, his teens, his 20s, and his 30s. 
And because we're covering such a large amount of time with those jumps, it's safe to say that a lot will be happening in the background with regards to the state of the realm. And while we have a few side quests available, yeah, we have quite a few side quests available in the game that will touch upon what's going on in the world in, in the background in addition to that main scenario. We also will have these in-game compendiums and a lot of stuff to read in-game that will hopefully help provide a lot of lore to those, uh, to those people who wish to delve deeper into the game world. Tam then asks, uh, there was implied nudity in the recent trailer. Shout out to more Hussein for asking the important questions. There was implied in nudity in the recent trailer. Is this a more adult M-rated Final Fantasy? Yoshida-san then replies, so this is something you can say, not just with Final Fan with the Final Fantasy series, but in general compared to the past. Video game ratings have become more and more restrictive recently regarding what can or cannot be shown. That said, I do believe that ratings are very important to ensure that younger players, younger children, are shielded from extreme material. But on the other hand, when trying to tell a story with difficult adult themes, these ratings can end up uh, be becoming somewhat of a hindrance. And you find yourself changing things that you wanted to do in the game based on that rating. You wanted to show something, but because you have this certain rating that you need to go to, you need to move the camera away. And that end ends up making the entire experience feel a little bit cheaper. And so, this time, to make sure that we could tell the story we wanted, to, we wanted to in the way that we wanted to, we decided to pursue a mature rating in most of the regions that will be releasing the game. But again, that is not because we simply wanted to make a game more violent or the game more explicit. This is because we felt it was necessary to allow us to explore those more mature themes that the game tackles. I want to put a pin right there. I want to stop right there. Uh, and bring you in, Janet, because I know you, you're somebody who played Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think you, mm -hmm. you liked it quite a bit, right? You weren't blown away by it, but you, you enjoyed it. The gameplay is really like good. A, yeah, you yeah. enjoyed the gameplay. I'm sure Final Fantasy XVI you're looking forward to somewhat. I am open-minded to it because I'm kind of open to anything. Um, I, I think, too... It's it's been interesting, like the kind of era that I'm in with gaming, because like ever since, and these are like totally different games. So I'm not trying to compare the, the two mechanically, but like I never would have thought that I would get into a game like Fortnite. Like it just was not my game, and now I like love it. So I'm like, mm. what else? Now I feel like a little bit like, even though this didn't work out for Ted Mosby, so maybe it won't work out for me. But Ted Mosby in the Return of the Shirt episode from season one, where he's what? like, oh, I like bourbon now. Like I like all these things. What other what things have I been wrong about before? So. Um, again, very deep cut, but if you know it, it really, it really makes a lot of sense. And if you don't know it, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But how is that different from any other, any other episode is of the that, show? Is this How I Met Your Mother? Is this a reference to How I Met Your Mother? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. not somebody who watches How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, so yeah. when you said Ted Mosby, in my head, I went to, um, what's Marvel the Nickelodeon Sweet, show? Sweet Life. Are you talking about Sweet Life? That's why I, th I thought Mr. Mosby. <laughs> That's what I thought you were talking about. No, I was going to <laughs> Ned's Declassified School Survival oh. Guide. I think his yeah. name... Was there a, there was a Mosby in that show too, right? Maybe. Anyway, that's where know. my brain went. So I was like, "Whoa, season one of wow. Ned's Declassified." Where are we going with this one? But sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, I'm I'm down to give it a go. I mean, obviously, there's like a lot of like love for the series. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, why not try it and see what's up? Um, that's the whole point of like additional entries. And I think to well, not the whole point, but you know, it's one of the things that additional entries offer. And I think the fact that the idea of having this be in a complete experience that doesn't require tertiary content is exciting as someone that would be kind of, you know, entering off the cuff. Um, but 
we'll see how that airs. There's, there's also always like, you know, ancillary stuff on like YouTube and the internet to kind of fill those gaps. And I'm sure I would have no shortage of people who would be, um, I think, excited for me to check out a game like that. But yeah, what about you? Where is your like excitement level for this? I'm super excited. Like the first couple of trailers have me super hyped, especially the, the latest one, uh, getting our eyes a bit on the UI and how big the 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 big Titan battles look to be uh, look to be going. That seems awesome. That game seems fun. And even hearing about the combat director, how it's the same director as I believe it was Devil May Cry 5, um, that shit gets me excited, especially coming off of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I thought did uh, so many things right, right? From the art style, from the uh, the fidelity of like the character models and how good that stuff looked, to even how that game played. I really, really, really dug the combat uh, in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And so now I'm in. Now I'm like, cool. Throw other Final Fantasy uh, shit at me, right? And, like, actually, right before the show, I was talking to Roger, and we we're in uh, Roger. Roger was saying how I should check out Final Fantasy 15, which I almost did. Like I almost uh, in that in that list of like the FF7, Persona 5 Royal, Trails of Cold Steel. Final Fantasy 15 was on the list, but I just never got around to it because I, I figured that I'll stick into into that uh, Final Fantasy 7 um, realm. That said, right from the from the get go, I'm excited. Even reading reading Tam's write up, I'm even more excited. I think the idea of it being very much standalone, um, I think that's a strong place to to at least start it from. Right, like put out the game and let the game speak for itself and let the game exist by itself because i think there's a time and place for everything right there's a time and place to have the games that are supported by the um, the wider content the extended universe stuff final fantasy 7 is one of those ones right where if you're somebody who played the original final fantasy and crisis core and watched the final fantasy 7 movie and like if you ingested every single final fantasy 7 piece of content you're gonna you're gonna get so much more out of final fantasy 7 remake than anybody else and I that I bummed some people out, but I think for a lot of people that is working the opposite direction. You know, I think Tim loved that, right? Imran, I, I believe, lo uh, loved that because they're hardcore fans. I think there's a time and place for that, right? And I think that is the time and place. Final Fantasy 16, though, a game where theoretically you want to get more people in, you want to have it speak to a wider audience, and you want this to be another. You want this to be another numbered franchise that can speak for itself and then mm -hmm. or numbered sorry numbered numbered entry into this franchise that can speak for itself and then maybe grow into a franchise like how final fantasy 7 has right start from the ground floor and make it so that anybody picking up final fantasy 16 can enjoy and appreciate final fantasy 16 for final fantasy 16 and not have to come into it with all the baggage of years and years and years and years of final fantasy so i think what number one that excites me i think that's a good direction and then number two i never even thought about the fact that it was going to be rated m for mature uh and that excites me i i don't think I played many JRPGs that are rated M. Maybe oh, I forget what Persona 5 Royal is rated. Maybe that's rated M because there's a lot of demonic shit in that. But like, I like the idea that Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 16 is going there. You know, I want to, especially in the way that the producer talks about it. Right? Hey, we're not doing this because we want it to be ultra violent. We're not doing this because we want to show you dicks. We're doing this because we want like we want to tell a mature story and we don't like, want to. But while we're here, no, just... while we're here, you know, you know, here's a you know a, a ball or two. Um, but yeah, no, we're here. We're we're taking it this direction because we have a story we want to tell and we don't want to be restricted by esrb like whatever whatever ratings board um might want to give it a 13 rating or an 18 rating and so i think that's what i was and for mature and for mature. Um, but yeah I, yeah. yeah and i and i agree like it just opens up like i like the angle of the idea of dealing with harder topics in a more intensive way or honest or raw way um just because i do think it it, it can be challenging i mean obviously there are plenty of i think meaningful um heartfelt moving stories that are like you know, on that T for teen level or even on an E for everyone level. But ultimately, when it comes to dealing with hard topics, it can be difficult to do that without 
you know, digging into like that side of the ratings board just because otherwise it ends up being like, I think a little bit of a shallow exploration of the topic, depending on what the topic is. Um, so yeah, I also find that uh, exciting. Cause you, you yeah. know, we're talking about fantasy, right? We're talking about being in a medieval medieval world with monsters with, it seems like there's going to be some sort of political conflict and all this stuff. Like watching back the trailers, the, the presentation of it looks dark and gritty in a way where, Yes, like show me somebody getting gutted. <laughs> like show me, like you know, don't don't be shy about the 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 content you show me, right? Like I again, there's a time and place for for everything. I think you know for, for tackling deeper top topics or more personal topics. Like I look back at uh, Life Strange True Colors, which I believe was mm-hmm. probably rated PG thirteen, and for me that in so far in the last few years that is one of the most emotionally impactful stories that I played in a video game, right? And they did that with a T rating, but also you know that's not a game where where they are tackling super mature themes or mature content right they're in colorado in a small town like they don't need to go there with that story whereas in final fantasy 16 i can see how you come down on no yeah no let's go for it like let's tell a story that 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 really leans into what the setting is and like you know get into the battle with the monsters and not feel like we have to life is strange back. was actually it is uh yeah. Yeah. It is, like, <laughs> mature. Them? Yeah. I yep. thought the same thing too. For what? Yeah. Yeah. I was for, a lot of things. For mature use of alcohol. <laughs> That's that's at least going to get you there right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So boom, it was alcohol, cursing. Yeah, a lot of cursing can, in it. it was blood, suggestive themes, drug references, uh, strong language, violence. Yeah, you're like, I mean, wait, really? Yeah, yeah. When what was the last rated T game I played? Because maybe I just maybe I just don't know <laughs> what those games are like anymore. It's I, I feel, it's like you're not you're not T for teen anymore. You know, you've just like ascended. I remember um, when T for teen felt adult. Like I remember when I was a kid and I'll play a rated T game. I'm like, yeah, this is you the know, good stuff. You know what? Now Yo, those are just Ro- kids games, apparently. Ro- Road 96 T for teen, which I'm kind of surprised by because there's also like a lot of a lot of stuff going on here. But I, I was gonna know. say, what's, what's the content like in that game? There is like all use of alcohol and tobacco and violence and language and stuff like that. But I guess it just didn't. I don't know. They they rated it T for Dean. Maybe it's just it's also like the context in which those things like occur. Like there's a bunch of stuff that goes into like the ESRB stuff. But That's yeah, I, I am surprised a little bit surprised as well that Life is Strange <laughs> is and for mature, but it does get really intense, like with the depictions of like abuse and things. I, I could see I it guess. going either way. But either way, right, let's hop out of the, the lore and mature content conversation and talk a, bit, a little bit more about combat and world. Uh, Kat Bailey at IGN also got to talk to Naoki Yoshida uh, about the game uh, and jumping into her write up. Right. I'm kind of I'm switching two of her write ups together because she segmented some of the stuff out. Um, but again, go over to IGN, give them give Kat Bailey the clicks because she did a great job on her write ups. Jumping into hers, she writes, speaking with IGN in a new interview, producer Naoki Yoshida provided some more insight into how combat summons and other mechanics will work in final fantasy 16 in the process of confirming that it will once again feature party mechanics in one form or another quote we didn't want to overwhelm users in our latest in our newest trailer so we focused solely on clive's battles that said for most of his journey clive will be accompanied by one or more companions these companions will participate in battle as well as trade banter with clive that said the party members will be ai driven so as to allow players to focus solely on controlling clive yoshida explains while Yoshida wouldn't confirm one way or another, one of those party members could include Torgal, the wolf pup from the original trailer. Yoshida says fans will, ha- will quote, have to wait and see, end quote, regarding whether the pup will eventually play a role in, in, in the combat, promising more info on parties soon. That sounds like it's all but confirmed. <laughs> like, I, that sounds like you're going to play as that pup, or have a pup in your party at least. Quote, 
In order to take the series in a new direction, rather than build off old battle systems, director Hiroshi Takai and battle director Ryota Suzuki made real-time action their focus, Yoshida explains. Quote, translating traditional summon, battle, summon abilities into player actions and allowing for the real-time swapping and chaining of these abilities in battle has allowed us to create a system that not only looks great, but feels really good to play, end quote. When Final Fantasy XVI was first revealed, many fans immediately assumed that it would follow in the footsteps of its predecessor and be, large, be a large-scale open-world RPG. According to Naoki Yoshida, though, uh, that won't be the case. Instead, Yoshida says Final Fantasy XVI will focus on area-based design in a manner that sounds similar to Pokemon Legends Arceus, which was likewise assumed to be a pure open-world game when it was first announced last year. But while Final Fantasy won't be a traditional open-world game itself, Yoshida does say that it will take a lot of inspiration from, from AAA open-world RPGs, though he doesn't name any specifics. Quote, however, to bring a story that feels like it spans an entire globe and beyond, uh, we decided to avoid an open-world design that limits us to a single open-world space and instead focus on an independent area-based game design that, that, gives players a, uh, that, that can give players a better feel of truly global scale. Janet Garcia, this seems like the biggest piece of news out of this whole uh, Final Fantasy seven or sorry, not seven Final Fantasy sixteen interview roundup. The fact that the game is not indeed open world; it seems to be more zone based. How does that strike you? You are muted. Okay, Unless, there we I go. Just, I don't know. Okay. I don't I know like, what I was. Either she's muted or I have a problem. <laughs> I have no idea why I was like hard muted on like my Go XLR, which I don't know why I hit mute for some reason. But um, yeah, I'm down for this because I feel like. I mean, it's really just a, a matter of perspective. Honestly, I think there's just definitely been a lot of conversation around scale and scope in a game and what people find exciting and what might give them hesitancy or make them feel overwhelmed. So it just depends. I mean, obviously, if you're someone that's like hardcore into traditional open world, this might be a little bit disappointing. But I feel like the way that it's being talked about is it is in service of better design and creating more freedom. I think talking about the way that open world sure it's open so it sounds like it's all the freedom in the world but there it has its own like design limitations to it that i think on a casual level players might not always think about like even myself i think i've been guilty of kind of assuming that open world's automatically inherently grander because it is more freeing in terms of what the player can do and how they navigate like a play area but it doesn't mean that's like more interesting or compelling either so i think I like the idea of them not being committed to it needs to be a certain, you know, level of open world or if fit check certain genre boxes and really just saying what is going to make the best game for what we're trying to accomplish with this title. So I'm cool with it. What about you? Yeah, I'm also very cool with it, right? Like not everything needs to be open world. I know this is a change from Final Fantasy 15, but it's a change that I think allows them to do exactly exactly what they're talking about. They want the game and the scope of the story to feel like it is worldwide and for me it takes me, it takes me back to games like mass effect where it is oh yeah we're traveling from planet to planet obviously we're not designing the whole planet right we're designing these specific instances on these planets for you to feel like you are space traveling or even god of god of war 2018 where you are traveling the different realms right like that's another game that i think does things uh, similarly and i'm very curious to see if the the zones that that you'll see in final fantasy 16 if they're going to be like open zones like in outer worlds for example or if they are going to be more linear based um that i'm excited i'm excited to check out but i don't think that's necessarily a problem right like i'm looking for it it seems like they're doing it in service of the game and what they want the game to be and that being the case like i'm super down with it like final fantasy 7 remake is another one that like that game wasn't open world obviously it's mm -hmm. remaking um 
the first few hours of the original Final Fantasy VII, which was just Midgar, right? And then that game eventually expands into open world. And we'll see how that goes with Final Fantasy VII Remake or Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, but like, you know, that game was totally fine the way it was, right? That game, uh, in the way that it divided up its chapters and in the areas that you got to explore, I felt like it felt vast, right? Like I really enjoyed having these intricate areas to hang out in and explore. And like, I think something like this will also maybe allow the game to have more depth in its explorable areas, you know, have, like, have more depth and then also have more fidelity. Uh, one of the big critiques I remember Andy Cortez always having a Final Fantasy VII remake was like the door textures didn't always look great. Like they're, the game looked gorgeous, but there are certain areas where it's like, damn, y'all kind of like skipped out on fidelity in like these, in these few instances. Um, I think paring it down, and having it be like, cool, we're not going to go for open world. We don't necessarily need to do that. Might help for certain areas of the game to look great, especially on PS5. Um, and so, yeah, no, I'm totally down for this. How yeah. do you feel about combat? Like, does combat speak to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I, combat's one of those things where until I get in the flow of it, I don't really know what is going to click for me or not. Um, but, yeah, like, I think I'm I'm open to, like, what the pitch is here. Like, what about you? Are you, like, excited about this? I'm I th them mentioning that you're not going to control your party members at first had me like, oh, is it going to be a Persona 3 situation? Are they going to like act out and have me be like, bro, heal, heal me, please, for the love of God. I want the me. pup, though, also. I do want the pup. Like, I, I want to hang Roger out with the pulled pup. Up, Roger pulled up a picture of the dog and I was like, that's the cutest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and I want that shit, right? But like it being more action focused, I think makes it fine, right? It's not turn based. It's not like it's not like it's going to get to my my um um, a companion's turn and they're going to do some wild shit and I'm going to get frustrated, right? I think the big fear is that it ends up being like a Kingdom Hearts, like, oh, uh, why won't... Was it Donald or Goofy that was the healer? One of them is like healer. And I remember playing it on PS, PS2, the original Kingdom Hearts and being like, bro... Donald. Was it Donald? Donald, heal me, please, bro. Please, heal me. Like, as long as it's not that situation that I'm going to be down with it, I think it's going to be fine. But Janet, enough about Final Fantasy 16. I want to hop into the next news story, but before I do, I want to let everybody out there know about patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where you can go get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. Shout out to Uplift for sponsoring this episode. I've been using my Uplift desk for well over a year now. I love the thing so much, I decided to write a rap song for them. The build quality is real good. It's made of real high quality wood. They didn't ask for it. I just did it anyway. Getting my Uplift desk immediately improved my mood. Whenever I'm on shows, I'm standing up. I'm feeling a lot more energetic. And also, I kind of feel like I was just maybe creating some bad habits sitting down at a desk all day. I would move my legs up. I'd sit underneath my legs on my chair. And eventually, all that stuff just created really bad back pain for me. Choose from laminate, whiteboard, bamboo, solid wood, butcher block, or even custom solid wood or laminate options. Uplift Desk won New York Times Wire Cutters Best Standing Desk from 2019 to 2022. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to give them an award as well. Best Standing Desk that I use in my bedroom from when they sent it to me until now. Uplift Desk have a 15-year warranty. They ship the same day you order with free shipping and free return shipping. So if you've been feeling the effects of sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, maybe you want some more energy in your life. Maybe you want to do squats in the middle of a Zoom call or something. Uplift your life. Go to kindoffunny.com slash uplift. And we're back. Uh, Janet, I want to take a, a break from the JRPG talk just for a second to hop into story number two and talking about Mortal Kombat, something that is very near and dear to my heart. Johnny Cage's actor might be teasing Mortal Kombat 12. This is Matt Kim at IGN. Andrew Bowen, the voice actor for Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat series, is back on the lot at Warner Brothers for dot 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 something. 
In a now-deleted tweet, Bowen shared a video of the voice actor standing in the Warner Brothers studio lot uh, before staring at the camera with a mischievous grin. It's the latest in a series of tweets Bowen has been sharing online of him working on something in the Warner Brothers lot. Fans have been quick to point out that this is yet another tease for the next Mortal Kombat game, which has been not so subtly hinted at over the past year. NetherRealm Studios' Jonathan Anderson previously shared a, a photo that included a desktop file reference to Mortal Kombat 12. While NetherRealm still isn't revealing what it, it has in store, it is confirmed uh, there is a new game in the works. Uh, when IGN interviewed NetherRealm creative director Ed Boon, he had no issue confirming the team is, quote, working on another game, though he was not at liberty to say what it is. Janet, do you think that we're getting Mortal, Mortal Kombat 12 anytime soon? Uh, I mean, what, what's been the release cadence so far with it? Usually, NetherRealm releases a game every uh, two years or so, like, but we've already we... passed that. We've like, already passed that. So, yeah, yeah I mean... I to, would... to add some context to that, too, right? And chat, correct me on the years, because I used mm -hmm. to have this down, but now we're kind of off. Uh, it was Mortal Kombat... Mortal Kombat 11 came out, I want to say, 2020. And then we got Mortal Kombat Aftermath, which was a big DLC expansion with, like, new story, a lot of content, which they usually don't do. We got that, I believe, in 2021. Usually, we would get an Injustice, like, by now. Like, right now would be when we'd get a new Injustice. We've not gotten that. And the rumors are that they're they're skipping injustice going right into Mortal Kombat 12. Yeah, I mean, I, this, I think this is pretty clear that they're working on it, but that's like true of a lot of things a lot of the times. Um, for soon, maybe like next year, at least the discussion of it with the release either being next year or like the year after. But then we're starting to get really far in the years too, and I'm not sure what they have in mind in terms of what release cadence um, they want to have. But yeah, I mean, I think it's about that time for like another Mortal Kombat to come out. Um, what was the last I, one I, you played? Have you do you play each of them? Like, are you like, is this so? What does this land also in your fighting game? Like fighting preferences? Game so, yeah, slash to, hierarchy. Yes. To correct myself, MK11 actually came out in 2019. Chat, let me know when Aftermath came out because I think that'll play a hand, a hand in this conversation. Um, but what was your what, so? Where is Mortal Kombat in my my fighting game hierarchy? Very high. Yeah. I really love Mortal Kombat. What was the other question you asked? And then like sort of um to add some context, like can you like break down like how you approach fighting games in terms of like what your preferences are, what you gravitate to? Like I imagine there might be some that maybe you think are good but you just don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of like what. What box does Mortal Kombat check for you? Like, what differentiates it um, among the suite of different fighting games that you gravitate towards? So, Mortal Kombat, a lot of it for me is the nostalgia aspect of it. That was one of the earlier fighting games that I got super into. Like, for the me, spine's was, getting ripped out. The the spine the spine's getting ripped out. Like, honestly, and this is probably gonna be a surprise for a lot of people. The PS2 era of Mortal Kombat it was the one that spoke to me, and that's honestly because I didn't know any better at the time. Like. You know, I started off as an N64 kid, played so much Smash Brothers, right? Super Smash Brothers was probably the game that got me into fighting games. But then I had, like, I had Mortal Kombat on my Game Boy, which I believe was, like, a port of the original Mortal Kombat. And then it was Mortal Kombat Deception on PS2 that got me super into Mortal Kombat. Hell right? yeah, like, it I did. That was my first dude, Mortal Kombat 2. That game fucking yeah, rules, bro. bro. Deception rules. And I know, like, fighting game enthusiasts are going to be like, no, like, the PS2 ones are not that great. But, like, for nostalgia and for the time, like, as a kid getting my hands on Deception, like, the fucking fatalities, the story mode with Shijinko, the chess mode like that shit spoke to me and then i got mortal kombat armageddon which was it was like the smash ultimate of mortal kombat janet where everybody is here we got every single mortal kombat character in this game that also had another story mode which is pretty decent i also had a kart racer mode for some reason like the ps2 mortal kombat games were bad shit <laughs> it was decent it was like not bad honestly for was a it better kombat than the driving in horizon Yes, actually, it was. Um, but, like, from there, Mortal Kombat, was it 2009? The reboot to Mortal Kombat came out, and that shit fucked, 
right? I fucking loved that reboot to Mortal Kombat, right? It changed it back to from a 3D fighter into a 2D fighter. And so you're kind of going back to the roots of Mortal Kombat. It had like Kratos as a DLC character, and I made Kratos, and my friends hated me because he had a great counter. Uh, but I digress, right? That brought a lot of soul and life back into Mortal Kombat and really helped define where Nether Realm would go from there, right? And so since then, we got Mortal Kombat, we got uh, Injustice after that, we then got Mortal Kombat 10, we then got Injustice 2, and now the latest one is Mortal Kombat 11. And they've basically been more and more evolved versions of that Mortal Kombat from 2009, right? And I absolutely love what NetherRealm does with those games because they are, they're 2D fighting games, but I think they have such their own identity as 2D fighters. Like their mechanics feel different from any other like Street Fighter, King of Fighters, or Marvelous Capcom. It feels way outside of that. It, it Like the way the games move, the way the games feel have their own identity and i really dig them i will say that i do dig mortal kombat more than i dig injustice um injustice just in terms of like the controls and like you know x is usually like a special weird feature for the for the characters and i believe it's like back to block and like the health system works similar to killer instinct where it's not round based it's more like you know you get the health all the way down and you win i never really dug the mechanics of injustice all the way but I would be lying if I said those weren't dope-ass games. Like, they run well. They look incredible. The, the the characters in the game are great. The story mode is fantastic. Like, Injustice has so much going for it. It's just not f- for me as much as Mortal Kombat um, is for me. And so, like, you know, I love Mortal Kombat. I've also lost what other questions you asked me. But I think around the, I think Mortal Kombat 12 is around the corner. You know, I, 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 would, I would imagine that we would get it sometime um, next year, right? Like, especially because it seems like they're making it. And, like, I don't know what the... Uh, the back and forth is right now with Injustice. There was a lot of weirdness going on with WB and how they could have potentially sold off their studios. And I'm sure those shakeups there in terms of do we want to use mm-hmm. the 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 um, DCIP now or do we just want to double down and go Mortal Kombat, especially now that we're in the PS5 generation and there's not a current modern Mortal Kombat on PS5 that is taking advantage of the hardware. I would think that you double down and go, cool, let's make a PS5 Mortal Kombat to really get that audience in and, and, and have that going. That way we can start getting in the updates and the DLC uh, and all that stuff uh, for that game. And so Mortal I think Kombat that director's cut. No, because we already got that. We got Mortal Kombat Aftermath. That was, pre- that was honestly pretty much the director's cut already. Uh, so now, now I think it is time for Mortal Kombat 12. But with that, I bring in a question from Cozy Bear, who writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can. Excellent name and says, the recent activity of Johnny Cage's voice actor would suggest that Mortal Kombat 12 is imminent. But what if it's not exactly Mortal Kombat 12? What if instead of another numerical entry in the long-running fighting series, we're due for another Mortal Kombat versus game, a la DC Universe? And if so, what universe would you want to see the Mortal Kombat combatants square off against? Now, Janet, one of the games I left out in my whole rant my whole spiel about NetherRealm and the Mortal Kombat games was Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. That came out right before the dope-ass Mortal Kombat game I was talking about, right? The reboot in, like, 2009, right? In between Armageddon and, and the reboot was Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. And it was mid. It was all right, right? It was, like, it was fine. But the, it was a really cool idea that now, in the present day, in 2022, another realm that has perfected Injustice and another realm that has perfected modern Mortal Kombat, I think, could come... I could make an, another iteration in Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe and have it be a banger. I think that would be a dope-ass game. The question is, do they do it? I don't know. Like, and will I, it be I rated like teen? Such a... Will it be rated teen like the, like the oh, last God. one? God, no, God, no, you can't do that. Yeah. You can... But also, does DC want it to be rated them? Like when you mm. rip the, you just, instead of blood, it's just glitter or something. You could, there are ways around it. That now, here's, a, cool. here's another one for kindoffunny.com. I want to see Mario get his spine ripped out. That's I, not gonna I, happen collaboratively. I apparently like, have. That's what I want. 
I apparently have no grasp on ES- ESRB and how they work anymore. What was Injustice 2 rated? Was that rated M? If, let me know. Because now I just have no idea how this works. I assume Everything that that was rated mature. We have to protect the kids at all costs. Everything is rated M for mature. But yeah, like, Janet, how does T. all that sound to you? It was T. It was T? Yeah. Injustice okay. was a T and Life is Strange rated M. Yeah. Well, well, maybe as time changes, you know, there's like different perceptions. I mean, you used to be able to, um, well, you know, you used to be able to smoke in restaurants. Like, it's like <laughs> stuff changes, right? It's like time keeps moving. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be honestly definitely more excited for um, a formal numbered entry than like a crossover, especially because I am an intensely casual fighting game person. But that being said, Mortal Kombat is one of the few fighting games that I like will play outside of Smash because it's um, gross and fun. Like, you know, very much. Yeah, I mean, their stick is a compelling one. You know, it was interesting because I was watching um, and I think I finally finished this series, but the um, I forget the name of it, the Netflix one. It was kind of like a history of games, but it sort of jumped around in weird ways. Mm. Oh, God, I had like a very gamey name level up something whatever yeah, like it came was out this like about, months was it ago. about the console wars some was it like the sega versus nintendo thing some like it had high score there it goes it had mm-hmm. like everything in it which like i guess that's kind of the one flaw where it's like oh it wasn't it was interesting but it wasn't like super focused it sort of jumped around and then it was like oh we had esports but before that we had like this pac-man tournament and i'm like what is the timeline here <laughs> like what's going on um but they talked a bit about mortal Kombat and kind of what made it stand out and i feel like it, that still very much is is the vibe today of like the realism and the fatalities and how um larger than life everything is um about it and i'd also like to add a new mortal Kombat memory after watching the mortal Kombat movie um just to kind of like let's just refresh the whole situation um so yeah i, I definitely would want i mean they're making, another, they're making another one of those movies i don't need them to though i don't think i'm gonna watch another one of those i watched the one i forgot oh, even I'm why in. i watched the one it wasn't as bad as i thought it would be like it had its moments um yeah like i don't no, know what well what was the latest it wasn't called Annihilation, I think, was the sequel to the original Mortal Kombat movie. That was terrible. This one was just Mortal Kombat. This one was just Mortal Kombat. Kombat. That was the the movie that I saw after uh, uh, the pandemic was starting to slow down movies, theaters open. I was like, you know what? I'm going to see Mortal Kombat in theaters. And I was so sad. It was Mortal Kombat. (laughs) I I wanted to cry. I was like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever been through in my entire life. (laughs) I had fun with it. I had complaints about that movie. Honestly, yeah, that is like true. That is true. I mean, well, that's digging. The, yeah, yeah, that's true. Abe <laughs> a- Froman in chat says, "Add Cole to MK2." Listen, keep Cole away from Mortal Kombat as far away as possible. I hated Cole from uh, Cole Young. I think Jay, I hated him. Jay, who's Jay? Oh Jay. no, not Jay Cole. No, no, <laughs> add Jay Cole the DLC character. Are you kidding me? The villa's back. The real is back. No, add him in. Um, but no, Cole Young was honestly my what my my biggest critique in that Mortal Kombat movie. Like. Who the fuck is this guy? Why is he so boring? Why is his ability so boring? That and the Arcana stuff, I didn't like. You know, it's a lazy, lazy way to, to give all these people powers. Actually, give these people backstories. You know what I mean? Um, where was I? I was going with something. I was going to come back. Oh, to get back to the crossover talk, right? The problem with Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe Online is two things, right? If it's rated M and it leans fully Mortal Kombat, do, would DC allow scorpion to just rip superman in half to where you can see the guts pouring out of him and the fucking like his spine hanging out and all that shit i don't think dc would be super happy with it and also i don't know if that makes narrative sense i mean i'd like that's what i want though like i don't want mortal Kombat crossing over unless people's like heads are exploding and then you kick the head into the sun like you know what i mean like if we're not doing that what was this all for 
You know, and, if I can't see the intricate like crackings of the spine, like the I think that's X-ray moment is like you're gonna have this? to ex- you're gonna have to explain that every Mortal Kombat character just naturally has kryptonite or some shit in their outfits to like weaken superman so that they're able to actually cut him in half and like rip his head off or freeze him and do like the dc characters are so op that i don't know if you can just fatality them in the way in a way that makes it make sense maybe just throw all sense out the window and go for it but i think people will have questions and also i don't know if dc would be down with it the other direction is to make it Probably rated not. t and at that point if you're making it rated t and you're having mortal Kombat characters exist without the blood and gore what's even the point is it even fun anymore and so, so if you just lean heavy into making it really cute, maybe it'll like come back around again. Make the, all the characters like chibi or something like that. Yeah, well, just like everything's magical. Like, you know, it's like almost like a, it's like there's like glitter exploding out of people. It's like it's graphic, but in a different way. Now, here's the thing. Chat is throwing out some great ideas. Somebody in chat says uh, Mortal Kombat versus Suicide Squad. I think that would be fire. I think that would be a hit because you. I, I do think that you could get away with doing that for those characters because obviously in the movies, like those characters getting blown up every single movie, like every other scene. Basically, that's a Kirby in Mortal Kombat. That's what I want to see. That's the other what one, I see. the other one that I really like is Mortal Kombat versus the Boys, um, which I don't think Ooh. would happen, but I do think again that fits in line, right? Like those characters I, are super powerful, but they're not like immortal. Like another you can, chat you can one. Into them. That's silly. D for Dustin says MK versus Nickelodeon All Stars. Yes. Again. Oh God, please! Like oh God, I please. just, just ruin everybody. The other one is Marvel versus DC, right? Shout out to OMGs in chat. And there have there have been rumors floating around that I I feel like the rumors are kind of baseless, but people are saying that Mar- that uh, NetherRealm could be working on a Marvel game. I would want nothing more. I think they would make an incredible Marvel game, and a Marvel versus DC game from NetherRealm would be the biggest fighting game on the planet. Like that would knock it out the park. But I don't know if that would actually ever happen. Mortal Kombat versus um, PlayStation All-Stars. I mean, that's the way to make PlayStation All-Stars successful. <laughs> yeah, like, why not? Actually, make that we've game yourself. The code. We've, we've done the damn thing. Janet, let's get back into our GRPG talk with story number three. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 reveals its expansion pass. This comes from Martin Robinson at Eurogamer. Of course, there was a Nintendo Direct that happened this morning that was all about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I, I If you're a GRPG fan or obviously a Xenoblade fan, recommend you go watch that. Um, I got a write-up here, again, from Martin Robinson that helps me break it down. Nintendo presented a deep dive into the imminent JRPG epic, Xenoblade Chronicles, in today's focused direct presentation, revealing an expansion pass that unlocks helpful items and outfits upon the game's release next month, and that will provide access to a new story scenario that's set to launch before the end of 2023. There was plenty more shown off with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, thankfully dialing back some of the anime ex- excesses of Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. There was not a single improbably proportioned sidekick to be seen while restoring some of the scale and wonder of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Set on the planet of Aeonios, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is set against a backdrop of warring factions from the nations of Kevis and Agnos, and a world in which uh, people have predetermined lifespans of 10 years. Your party is drawn from three characters from each side who put their differences aside and opening up a broader, deeper take Classic. on combat that's rich with systems. You love different factions putting their differences aside. There are now three ways to fight as the two factions fight Ionios's uh, local fauna while the expansive world is peppered with colonies where residents will offer up their own quest lines. Combat takes on the arts, the arts-based system of previous games, but opens, opens it up to support six characters that can swap between, each with their own class and, and attributes and offering opportunities to chain combos and fuse arts together. 
It's also possible to recruit heroes into a seventh character slot, each one of them bringing their own distinct talents and arts, while characters in your party can be fused together to form an Ouroboros, a particularly powerful character that can deal out extra damage. There's amiable support, too, uh, by way of in-game items unlocked by using any figurine, while those in possession of a Shulk amiibo will be able to morph the character's sword into the iconic shape of the Monado. Janet, do you, are, are you at all looking forward to Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Um, I can't say that I am in the sense that, like, I'm not a Xenoblade person, but, you know, there's no time like the present. Um, I do like the idea of it being um, less, at least tropey in some layers of it, because I think that was something that kind of turned me off to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, even though everyone's like, oh, there's story reasons for it. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those. Um, I'm always down for characters being fused together. That's like one of my I feel like favorite sticks in games and fiction um so that seems fun what do you think the last amiibo support's gonna be because isn't it wild we still have amiibo support i know the amiibo are still like out there but like when will amiibo support end what is the last game to get amiibo support do you think i think it just keeps going like why why end it like forever at least until the end know. of the switch generation yeah like as amiibo, i'm not i'm an amiibo person i don't own one amiibo like is, has it been slowing down over the years i don't i i, I couldn't really tell you i just feel like they I think it kind of has. I feel like I want to say yes, but chat, let me know if it's like, no, secretly there's something and everything. I think they tend to have it, but it, it seems less of a focal point and a little bit more of like a, oh, by the way, if you have one of the characters from here, it definitely, sure, you can was it. definitely a product of the Wii The Metroid era. ones were cool. That's the thing is, I think like when I, whenever I see a new Amiibo, I'm like, oh, good for someone. Like someone's going to enjoy having whatever character, like, you know, a fucking a Pikmin running around their house as a statue. Like, I wish I got that giant um, Yoshi one. I regret not getting that. And now on eBay, it costs like a fuck ton. So I, do you remember the cereal? The Mario? Yeah, was it Mario? Cereal. That was the only that was the only Amiibo I had. Yeah, I had the cereal Amiibo for a while, but I had to get rid of it because I moved. And I'm like, I'm not going to take a cereal box across the country. Like, I want like, more of that kind it. of shit because I'm not I don't I, I mm -hmm. don't see myself you know owning amiibos to put it on a shelf or anything but i'll for sure buy a cereal right like roger pulled up here like i'll buy give me more give me a legend of Bre zelda breath of the wild 2 cereal the cereal right? didn't taste that good though but yes it was it was cool yeah but i'm not, I'm not cool buying event. it for the taste i'm buying it for the experience i buy one for the taste and then one for the experience um and then something else and again this is not really related to the game but about this and if you have a xenoblade history and if this is on your radar but i also have a dumb question of what would you do with your predetermined lifespan of 10 years Ooh, okay. Uh, it's not I have... a lot of time. I was like, 10 years is not a lot. What's do going I have, here? Uh, Xenoblade history. The answer is no. Funny enough, I feel like we had, we had a lot of conversation before the show because I joined the call like way earlier than usual because I knew Roger wanted time to, to crop us. Um, but like, I was talking to Roger about the, la the last story, uh, a, a JRPG on the Wii. It was like the Wii's swan song, um, not to be confused with the unfinished swan. Um, but like, that, I had the choice between playing that in Xenoblade Chronicles, the original, I had both games, and I just I just chose the last story, and I fucking love that game. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles is the is the one that lived on through like more iterations and actual like support from the fan base and all that stuff. Uh, and so like part of me is like, oh, did I choose wrong? But the other part of me is like, no, but because I fucking love the last story. That said, I don't have much of a Xenoblade history. I am looking forward to this game, but it brings me back to what I was talking about at the top of the episode, where I don't know if I'm gonna have the time. Because I know this is going to be, what, a 40 to 60 hour JRPG while I have time to play this and Soul Hackers 2 and Tales of Arise and whatever else comes out around the same time because it's coming out at the beginning of fall. There's going to be so many games. Um, and so, like, we'll see. I will say, watching this direct, I I really adore the style of the game. I really, like, all of the presentation stuff as far as, like, soundtrack, you know, how they introduce the characters, their back and forths, like, 
it seems like something I would really dig. But I the one thing I will say is that there is a part of the direct where they transition in the gameplay and they start showing how the game looks in actual gameplay. And immediately I had the oh yeah, this is a Switch game. <laughs> like this game doesn't <laughs> this game doesn't look as pretty. Like the like, characters have the jaggies. Like the world kind of looks flat and like a lot of the. Not to be confused with the stuff. jiggies. Not to be confused with the jiggies from Banjo Kazooie, of course. Uh, but yeah, like the game just doesn't look as pretty, which. Honestly, isn't the biggest problem for me. You know, like, it's a complaint that I have with a lot of Switch games, but ultimately, if the game is good, the game is good. It'll mm -hmm. all look past it. But now that we're getting further and further into the PS5, Xbox Series X era, and I have a Steam Deck, and I'm, I'm like, I have other choices for games that look good. Like, Tales of Rise looks so fucking gorgeous on my Steam Deck. I'm like, do I want to play Xenoblade Chronicles when it looks so, like, it doesn't look busted, but it just doesn't look as pretty as these other games? Give me a Switch Pro, is basically what I'm saying. Like, Maybe I'll wait for the Switch Pro before I play Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There is a Switch Pro. There is. I believe. I believe it. Yeah, you got to believe, it's, Janet. It's going to look like one sixteenth better. And people are like, I think it's really worth the upgrade. I mean, that's a, it's a, that 100% could be the case because mm -hmm. Nintendo. Get the weird Nintendo decision. I'll buy it. With my span of 10 years, a lifespan of 10 years, what am I doing? Is that your question? Yeah. Which we really don't have time for this question, so you can just we can just save it for post show. If save you want, for, but... for post show because yes. I really got to think about that one. That, that might put me. We have like five crisis. minutes left for you to tell me what happens in the next ten years and these next two stories. So I feel like we'll just save the ten years for later. Well, let's talk, let's talk, knock out these next two stories. Story number four: uh, PlayStation isn't going to Gamescom. This is Andy Robinson at GamesIndustry.biz. Sony Interactive Entertainment is the latest company to pull out a Gamescom 2022. In a statement issued to German publication Games. Wirtschaft, uh, a spokesperson for the PlayStation firm, confirmed it would not attend this year's event, which is due to take place in August and will be the its first in-person show since the pandemic. Other companies, including Nintendo, Activision Blizzard, and Take-Two Interactive, have said they will not attend Gamescom's return. VGC understands that one issue is that many publishers have simply stopped planning pre-release game demos since the pandemic, such as those made available at events like Gamescom, and thus would have little to show at a big public show. Gamescom 2022 is set to take place from August 24th through the 28th and will be a hybrid event held on site in Cologne and simultaneously online. Janet, we're, we're PlayStation podcast hosts. Does this one surprise you at all? It doesn't surprise me. It's lightly disappointing in that I always want stuff from PlayStation as someone that likes PlayStation. And again, I, I like all the big three, so that can be said about any of them. Um, but it's. I feel like it's uh, less of a pain point because a lot of other companies are not going like in the story, the aforementioned, you know, Nintendo, Activision, Take-Two Interactive. It's like it's if we all just decide to not do it, there's like less of a of a feeling that PlayStation is uh, missing out or falling behind or sort of like too quiet, I think, because of the general like silence kind of cutting through the industry um at this point or in different points really because you know everyone has a different cadence and there will be times where you feel like there's a bunch of stuff coming out and times where you feel like it's a little bit dead or drier um but yeah i mean we'll see how this goes too it's it's cool that i guess it's they're bringing the show back for you know in person but then it's also like yeah we're still like very much in the pandemic and things but you know hopefully some cool um news comes out of it regardless but yeah i think playstation not going is less painful for that for those two reasons basically mm -hmm. 
Let's run out with story number five. Suda51 would cast Ryan Gosling in a No More Heroes movie. This is Chris Golian at VGC, and this is one that I included just for myself, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Goichi Suda, aka Suda51, has said he would love to cast Ryan Gosling as Travis Touchdown in a No More Heroes movie. In an interview with Shaq News, uh, not to be confused with Shaquille O'Neal News, the Grasshopper manufacturer <laughs> found, <laughs> founder and CEO was asked who he'd like to see involved in a theoretical movie based on the studio's most successful series, No More Heroes. Quote, for Travis Touchdown, I'd probably go with Ryan Gosling, Suda51 answered. And as director, I'd probably go with James Gunn. Conversely, if we were if we're going to go with a Japanese director, then I'd want to go with Takashi Miike. End quote. Suda has worked with both Gunn and Miike in the past. Before he went on to co-write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Gunn co-wrote Lollipop Chainsaw, which funny enough, I think me and Janet talked about we last week. We were just talking about this, yeah. Yeah, uh, which Suda directed. Controversial Japanese director Miike, who helmed such cult favorites as Audition and Ichi the Killer, was portrayed in No More Heroes 2 as a character simply called Miike, who he voiced. Uh, no More Heroes 3 was recently exclusive. Uh, no More Heroes 3 was re- released exclusively on the Switch in August 2021, but will be coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC this fall. Following the release of the game on Switch, Suda claimed that it would be the last entry in the No More Heroes series. Quote, Goodbye, Travis. Goodbye, No More Heroes. Goodbye, fleeting moments in days. Farewell to all Travis touchdowns everywhere. End quote. No more, no more heroes. No more, no more heroes. Uh, I would enjoy a No More Heroes movie. I would enjoy it being directed by James Gunn. I would enjoy it being starred by Ryan Gosling. I think these are all great ideas. <laughs> Somebody at Hollywood greenlight it, please, for me. And for Suda. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. But Janet, it's also just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Death Smiles 1 and 2 for PC, Fire Girl, Hack and Slash, Rescue DX for PS5, PS4, Xbox, and Switch, and then Redo for PS5, PS4, Switch, and Xbox. Uh, now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong, as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, and on podcast services around the globe. Bander SN uh, says, bless mid-red, uh, misread that Yoshida is credited for salvaging Final Fantasy 16. It should be Final Fantasy 14. Bander SN, you're absolutely right. Uh, and like, even as I was prepping the show, I told myself, hey, X... IV is 14. XVI is 16. Still got it wrong because when you're reading fast like that, it's hard to write it. I should have. I didn't want to like alter the the writing of Tamor Hussein from GameSpot, but you know what? Sometimes Tamor gets things wrong. Sometimes you gotta throw the Roman numerals out the window. He's wrong to assume that you could read Roman numerals. He's wrong to assume that I could read what the 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 Roman numerals. Bold of you to assume I could read. Um. (laughs) The nanobiologist says uh, there's a Mose. Not a Mosby and Ned's declassified. So I think when you said Ted Mosby, I was conflating Ned Bigsby and then also Mose. Both yeah, from Ned's declassified school survival guide. Merged together. But yeah, the How Much Your Mother knowledge runs deep. I won bar trivia for How Much Your Mother once. Really? So, yeah. It's my claim to fame. Uh, Nando says P5R is rated M for blood, drug reference, partial nudity, sexual themes, strong language, and violence. No, that lines up. I think I said Persona 5 was rated M. Yeah. Didn't I? Yeah, we did. We did. Um, they, this probably came in like right before we said the gotcha. thing so yeah uh and then nail just says mk11 was 2019 aftermath was 2020 so it's been a minute we're really due for another another realm game but i'm sure they're taking their time you know we're on a new generation it'll probably be ps5 xbox series x exclusive or not exclusive but like not it'll be it'll be new gen not old gen whatever they do i imagine you'll be able to feel the spines and the the controller yeah, and the adaptive triggers 
Yeah. Yeah. You get zapped and you can feel it in the in the HD rumble. Tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are Greg and Tim. If you're watching this live right now on Twitch, after this is Mike and Andy playing some Chivalry 2. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays. Remember this has been Kinda Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.